You're listening to the Young Adult Sermon Podcast from First Christian Church. Our hope is that these words bless you, challenge you, and lead you closer to Jesus. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. Oh man, I'm excited to be with you guys tonight. How about you? No? <laughs> Nothing? Are you guys excited tonight? Yes? All right, good. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Because I am pretty excited to be with you guys again. I just got to say, it is so cool talking with you guys before service. Like, I, I, you know, there's some new faces in here to me, um, and, and I'm super excited to get to know you guys and to meet you a little bit more. And I know that there's even some people who've been here for a little bit who I still don't know that well. So please, we got we to gotta talk a little bit. I know um, I've been kind of lacking on that. So, but anyways... Uh, I say that all to say that it is uh, really cool to be here with you guys tonight. I, I think it's really encouraging that we can be here as a family of believers to be able to, to say to one another that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So with that being said, let's open up to chapter uh, 7 in 2 Samuel, if you guys got your Bibles or your Bibles app. Uh, we are moving into this, uh, into this chapter, and if I'm being honest with you guys, it's a pretty it's a pretty uplifting and encouraging chapter. Uh, I'm excited to share it with you guys tonight just for what God has spoken to me in my personal time and also uh, what he's told me in, in talking with Josh about it as well. Um, earlier today, I, I met up with him and he shared with me some of the passions and, and the things that God had laid on his heart regarding this uh, chapter. And so, of course, it hit me too. And I was like, wow, I, I really got to share this. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Now, if you guys remember, uh, if you've been with us through this series and who is king, we've been hearing a lot about David and who he is and, and just a lot of, like, the journey that he's been through, right? He's, he's an extraordinary dude. Like, he's been with God through the thick and thin, through the ups and the, the downs. And, and honestly, what kind of impresses me throughout this whole thing is just how often he goes back to God, Right? He was a man who was called out by God. He, he was tending to the sheep. He was forgotten about. He was insignificant in everyone else's eyes, but yet God called him out, the God of the universe, and he turned nothing into something, and that his faithfulness towards that something is enduring. So I want to talk about that tonight, but also how that same faithfulness that God had for David, he also has for us. So Chapter 7, verses 1 through 2, we're going to read that just real quick. And so it says this. It says, After the king was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a house of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Now I want to pause real quick because I think this is really cool. Pretty much David is saying, Wow, how blessed am I. But even with all that God has blessed me with, I don't want to value my success, my comfort, or my status more than my relationship with God. That's so cool. That's, that's so cool. David is concerned with the position of God in his life more than the position of his own success or glory. And like I said earlier, I think a lot of times we can find ourselves on top of mountains, uh, in valleys even. We may be riding the waves of success, or we might just be struggling to swim. But in both instances, David never turned aside from going to God. And just like in this instance, David has been set on a mountaintop, and he's still thinking of how he can honor the Lord. 
And so David said this to Nathan, who was the prophet of the Lord, and God told Nathan what his response was to David. And so if you want, skip down to verse 7. God says this, Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of the rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? God's pretty much saying, in all the time that I've been with Israel, like, I've never commanded this. I never told all these people through all the, the, the situations that we've been through together. I never even expected this of them. And yet here is David thinking of me like, wow, it, it's almost like God was surprised in this, like he was honored by this. And so God continued and, and said all these blessings over David. He said, when your days are over, in verse 12, he said, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build the house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. God's saying, you want to build a house for me? Well, that's not for you to do, but in fact, I will build a permanent house for you. And he's talking about David's kingdom and his lineage, where Jesus is to come through and reign over Israel. And he says this in verse 16, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. And what I love is that this whole chapter, we get this conversation between God and David. Like, like David started this thing saying, I want to do this for you, God. And, and God's like, oh my goodness, like, wow, thank you. Like, that's amazing that you have this heart for me. I'm going to have somebody else do this, but you know what I'm going to do for you? I'm going to build and establish your house. And so God's response back, or David's response back to God was a classic, who am I? A why me? And he continues with that prayer, acknowledging God as his, as his provider, as his giver, as God being the, the protector of Israel. And so again, David was acknowledging his position underneath the Lord as he humbled himself. Now, I want to pause real quick. Because I don't know if you've ever been in a position like me where, you know, you've been told something that, that you know is just a lie, okay? Right? Like if you're with your mom or whatever when you're a kid and she says, oh, I'm just going to be five minutes as we go into Target, right? She's not going to be five minutes. Like, she's not. Let's, you know, let's be real. And, and I don't know if you've had this story too, but I went into Great Clips. You know, I come out and my mom's like, oh, you look so handsome. Right after I got a bowl cut. Like, no, no, I don't, okay? I'm just being honest. Like, I don't look good with this bowl cut, all right? But what I love about God is that what he says is true. And his faithfulness, it's unchanging. His thoughts about you are unwavering, and the truth that he has spoken of you is unchangeable and, undoing, and enduring. You guys remember what God said in Genesis where right after the fall of Adam and Eve, God said that, he will, he will send a man from the woman of Eve to bruise the head of Satan, but Satan will bruise his heel. That's the, first, that's the first sign of Jesus coming into humanity to restore the mistake that Adam had brought on all of it. And what's super cool about this part is that this is a, is, is a mention of God's faithfulness. See, it started all the way back in Genesis where he had proclaimed the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. And then we get to Noah, and all this horrible stuff happens because of humanity, and God sends a flood over the earth and, and pretty much wipes out everyone except for this small, these few individuals on the boat. And, 
And God's promise to them was that they will reproduce and multiply and have a full, and repopulate the land. And from that, again, Jesus was going to come through. And then we get to Abraham and how he was extremely old. Like he was like 100 years old or something. And, and God said, no, look, like your wife, she's going to have a kid. And that kid is going to have another kid, and they're going to have kids, and it's going to spread into nations. So much so that there will be so many people coming from you that it will be like the, the, the grain of sand on the beach, like countless, like the number of stars in the sky. And then we get to Moses, and then finally to David, and throughout this entire time, we just see God's faithfulness saying, look, I promise these things, and they will come to fruition. And so what's cool is that when we arrive into this chapter tonight, we get to see that this is another, this is another promise that God is, is upholding. This is something that he is including. And, and what's really powerful to me is that, again, David was a nobody. And God had been writing this story for so long. He had been building up all this stuff, and, and he included David into it. David understood that what God was telling him in this passage probably was big. But I don't think he could even grasp just the magnitude of how big it was going to be for Jesus to come from his family line. And now here we are as people. Here we are as a church in today's age where where Jesus had come and now we're in this thing called the new covenant where the old one had been replaced. And I want to flip real quick to Jeremiah 31, if you will. Just bear with me. This is going to be the last section. Go to Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 32. Jeremiah 31, verse 31. And this is what God is going to be talking to us. This is what he had talked to us about the coming of what we are into right now. He says this. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the old covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they need to teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all Know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Now, how powerful is this? Again, God is writing this story. If, if we look at the Bible, right, we see the beginning. We see how it started. We see what it was like for the people of Israel to start off before Jesus came. And then we get to see what it was like when Jesus did actually come when he was here on earth to be with us and what he did to establish this new covenant. And then we get to read in the Bible how there's this book called the book of Revelation and how it ends and how it's a beautiful story of how he's bringing his, all his people together into this new earth. But, but somewhere in between there, there's this cool little section where we are in the midst of what God is writing today. Like, how cool is that to me? Like, it is so, like, amazing to think. That today is the day God is writing and including in his story. 
and we as people get to be involved in that. Like, how cool is that? To me, that, that makes me excited. For the same reason it should have made David excited. Because again, he was a nothing. He was a nobody, someone who looked after the sheep, and he was called out by God to be something, to be included in his story. For me, I can look back on my life and see God in ways I couldn't see him in the moment. See, I remember being this, this kid who, who was super bullied and went out, whatever, in, in Texas, and then I, I finally reached out to God and I asked him into my life, and then miraculously we moved to Florida. And then I, w- I was this fragile kid who literally I only went to God you know, because I needed to, and, and he was my last resort, but then he became my everything. And so I'd wake up every day at like 5 a.m. just to read my Bible. Like, it, I was crazy, right? I'd go to school. I didn't care what people thought. I didn't care about how I looked or anything like that. And so what God was doing in my life was, was moving me inward, building me up with my relationship with him. And then what I find, too, is that uh, we, it, literally at the time in Florida, too, my only friends were like four kids from pre-calc. Like, that was it. Like, we went bowling once. Like, that was my friend group. And then God moved me to Missouri, and, uh, and then he started to help me grow outwardly, not just inwardly. And then I see how he's moving into my life now and how I'm being able to go through some, some difficult and trying times even now and, and still being able to see his faithfulness through it all. And so... What I want to leave you with is a question. What is it that you want your story to be written about? Do you want a story that shows God's faithfulness to you, that shows his love in your life? That, yeah, it may be hard, it may be difficult and trying, just like David's, but, but man, we get to look back and read about just how good our God is. Are we going to live a life that's just, eh, it's okay. I did the minimum, you know? Because as God's writing your story, he wants it to be a part of the story, the story that he's writing for all of us. So with that being said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you so much that no matter where we come from, no matter what our background is, Lord God, We know that we can entrust you with our future. We know that we can entrust you with what's now. And that, God, you can redeem us. You can restore us. You can move in our lives in ways that nobody else or nothing else ever could. And so I thank you for the church, the capital C church in the world, that, God, you are writing this story with all of us in in, in this time such as this, that, God, every one of us that's in here tonight, you have a calling for And I pray that we would just grab hold of what it is that you're calling us into. We thank you and we love you, Jesus. In your precious and holy name, amen.